We're all failing in a fucking quarantine. A fucking quarantine. A fucking quarantine. Yes, we're all failing in a fucking quarantine. But let's be fair, we were all failing before that as well. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of You Have Failed With Me. Sam Vader, where this week we will be discussing my one of my favourite heroes in all of time and space. And that would be the hero that needs no other name other than the Doctor. I'm going to say this in advance now as well, purely because I already know it's going to happen. There will be a bonus episode this week. There's so much I could talk about with Doctor Who and the Doctor and the character and the stories and what I like about it and things I don't like. That This will definitely bleed over into a bonus episode on Saturday, so do not forget to check that out either. But before we get into the main part of the episode... Once again, like to reassure you all that Sidewalks do stand with the Black Lives Matter campaign. And we still believe that change is needed and change will come if enough of us raise our voices and just learn the little things and make the big difference. So with that out of the way, let's get into a character who I suppose embodies that so much. To a point where actually I was talking about... um, not talking about, I was watching, I've been doing a Doctor Who binge watch over the weekend, pretty much. Um, one of Peter Capaldi's episodes yesterday, and the Doctor's obviously very much a, a character that stands for all of these these morals. It's one of those weird ones where most superheroes, they don't necessarily get a chance to stand up for racism or sexism or any of those things, because they're doing much larger-than-life things. Whereas the Doctor, in a really weird roundabout way, gets to gets to tackle those issues. Because whilst, yes, he's doing it through time and space, as a show, it's still very much grounded, grounded in reality. And I've got a quote here from Stephen Moffat, who was obviously the showrunner for the 11th and 12th Doctor, but also wrote episodes back for 9 and 10. And frankly, was a massive mega fan before, during and after his reign on the show. So let me read this quote out to really sum up the Doctor. And I think this is a brilliant quote for it. When they made this particular hero, they didn't give him a gun. They gave him a screwdriver to fix things. They didn't give him a tank or a warship or an X-wing fighter. They gave him a call box from which you can call for help. And they didn't give him a superpower or pointy ears or a heat ray. They gave him an extra heart. They gave him two hearts, and that's an extraordinary thing. There will never come a time when we don't need a hero like the Doctor. And I think that that is a quote that perfectly sums up who the Doctor is. He he, he doesn't have super strength. He can't fly. He's, he's not, you know, faster than a speeding bullet. What he is, is, is a madman with a box. And... That that statement is is so true, because yeah, at the end of the day, I suppose he is a massive hero, but you boil it down to what the Doctor really is. He he's a madman with a box, and I think that there was a quote in all not really a quote. You know, I suppose it was a quote in this Peter Capaldi episode I was watching. It's the one where I can't think of the name of it, but he goes to like somewhere in the future, and it's a colony, and all the robots are trying to kill him, not the Cybermen, but other robots, and. The Vardy, I think they were called, like the footballer. That's how I heard it anyway. Not that I like football. I don't know why I know that. Anyway, so 
But Bill sort of asks, you know, which is his companion at the time, why is the TARDIS, why does it look like a phone box, a police box? And the Doctor sort of keeps dodging the question because I don't think he wants to admit that the chameleon circuit is just flat out broken so it can't change back. But when they realise there's trouble, Bill's like, why don't, you know, is there not a helpline or something? Is there not someone you can call? And the Doctor just runs off to do his own thing. He says, you stay at the TARDIS and I'm going to go and blow up the place and save the people from the robots in Doctor fashion. And uh, <clears throat> But then Bill catches up with him and, and she realises that he doesn't call the helpline because the Doctor is the helpline. And... You know, there's another one in a later episode of the same season where with the monks and everything, the weird dead people monks. And you sort of realise that he, even the doctor says, he's like, they're like, what are you doing? And this is talking to the doctor. And he's like, what anyone does when they're in trouble, I'm calling the doctor. And he sends an email to the real version of him that isn't the version of him inside the computer simulation. And to anyone who hasn't seen the episode or the show, that might have meant made no sense to you. But, you know, to a Whovian, those words make sense. Um, but actually, weirdly enough, the Doctor I want to talk about the most isn't my favourite Doctor. Well, not the most, but the one I, I want to talk about at the moment. Because my favourite Doctor, as a lot of other people's are, is David Tennant. I think he's a he's a fantastic Doctor and he will be my favourite, I think, till the end of time. Um, you can't beat him. But that doesn't mean the others are bad. And there's one who I feel like gets a particularly negative reputation that really isn't deserved. And that is the Doctor I've been talking about so far, number 12, Peter Capaldi. I feel like a lot of people give him a hard time and it's not it's not deserved at all. He's a fantastic actor and a fantastic Doctor. I think the problem with the 12th Doctor is people didn't have time for character development. They'd seen 10 and 11 whose character development wasn't long and drawn out. They were sort of who they were and they stuck with it and their development was more, less obvious, more subtle. Whereas 12s had a massive sort of shift in personality, especially from those two. 10 and 11 were who they were and they were happy, they were funny, they were having a joke, they you know, clearly loved people and everything. And then, then, and they had their arcs, you know, they went through loss, they learned how to deal with it. But then 12 comes along and 12 is, 12 is different. 12 is hardened. 12 is a lot more harsh than his previous incarnations. And people sort of gave up on him straight away. Ironically enough, a bit like Clara did in the first episode. They sort of thought, no, that's not my doctor and, and gave up. That's, that's not how the doctor should be. But I think fans didn't realise what Stephen Moffat was going for. And I'm going to sort of go into this a bit here because I feel like Moffat needs credit for the writing. And Capaldi's doctor deserves the justice because he, 12 is fantastic. And yeah, so to start off, you've got there's a fan theory that I'd like to share. And it's that the doctor subconsciously chooses his or her face whenever he regenerates. And... There's, there's some there's some stuff behind this theory that makes sense. So the first way I look at it is the best way to start is with 9 to 10. So 9 had just realised that he loved Rose Tyler, but he was dying. So what did he do? When he regenerates, he becomes young. He becomes quite handsome. He becomes cheeky. 
he becomes sort of everything that he thinks an earth woman would be attracted to. He becomes basically the ideal male for Rose Tyler. And that's why 10 is the way that he is a bit of a ladies man, a cheeky chappy, good looking because he subconsciously wanted, he just realized he loved Rose Tyler. Then you get 10 to 11, 10 realizes that this is his last regeneration. Well, Obviously, stuff happens later on down the line where he gets more. But as far as Ten is concerned, this is his last life now. His regenerating is it. Like This is the end of the road. So who did he regenerate into? Matt Smith was the youngest actor to play the Doctor. So the Doctor is young. He's youthful. He He's really energetic. The Doctor, realising this was his last shot at life, decided to be as youthful as he's ever been and enjoy what, he has left before he eventually dies. And then 11, just given more regenerations, but having fought for hundreds and hundreds of years on Trenzalore, watching loads of people die around him, he transforms into someone old, but someone guarded. The 12th Doctor is very guarded. He's not open. He doesn't like affection. And that's because he's old. He's tired of watching all these people dying. He'd just been fighting in a war that lasted centuries. He was tired of it all. He just wanted to close himself up. He didn't want to be open. He didn't want to be vulnerable anymore. And that's where 12's character arc starts. The famous question from his first series, and actually the name of 12's theme in composition by Murray Gold, was, am I a good man? The actual composition is called a good man, question mark. But, you know, still there. And that was his question, the theme for season one. And obviously he comes to the conclusion that, well, he's not a good man, but he's not a bad man. He's an idiot. And that's what he realises, that he's not necessarily a good man, but he tries his best. He's, he's not saying he's the absolute definition of good. He's not saying you can't be better than him. He's just saying... I'm an idiot who tries to help out. And that is shown because, but then you've got to think, why is he questioning himself? That was another thing people didn't like. It's like, oh, why is the doctor suddenly questioning himself? Well, I've sort of already answered that. Look back to Trenzalore, where for hundreds of years he had fought, but he survived. He thought he was going to die at Trenzalore. That's why he kept fighting to protect everyone else. But he knew that was his final battle. For 2,000 years before that, he had travelled through time and space, everyone around him dying. Why is he questioning if he was a good man? Because he hated the fact that he was the only one alive. Why did he survive and no one else? He didn't, he felt guilty that he survived, you know, that he, he didn't die. And this is sort of shown in, in his final episode, uh, Twice Upon a Time just before he regenerates, where he's talking to the sort of the memories of Bill and Nardo. And he goes, this is what a life is, a life this long. It's a battlefield where everyone else is dead. And that's where the final piece, the final nail goes into the coffin. And you realise the reason he, he's been so guarded and cold and the reason he's questioned himself as a good man as, and as a hero so much in this incarnation, the reason he was so insecure was because he, he felt guilty that after so long, he was still the one who survived. He'd watched all these people die around him and he'd got tired of it. He was tired of being the lone survivor. He, he was like, 
how can I be a hero if everyone around me is dying and I'm just walking away and, and safe? Hence, when he was about to, when he thought he was going to die fighting the Cyberman, Cybermen, sorry, he was happy to do so. He he was content that it was the end, and that's why when he survives and starts regenerating, he wants to. He doesn't want to regenerate because, as far as he was concerned, this was it. This is where the Doctor died. Finally, he wasn't going to survive this one. Other people would, but he wouldn't. He was finally going to give his life. And everyone else be the ones that survive. So when he died, he was, yes, he was sad that there weren't stars as he was dying. But he was content that this was finally it. He wasn't going to cheat death this time. He wasn't going to escape. This was the end for the Doctor. But as we know, Bill ends up saving him. And he lives on. And that's where we get to twice upon a time where he doesn't want to regenerate. He just wants it to be over. He he can't stand the thought of being that lone survivor anymore. The guilt's gotten to him too much. That after all these years, he's the only one that's left standing. Everyone else falls. But he's obviously convinced to carry on by the TARDIS and by his friends and everything else, realising that the universe will just get it wrong without him. That as much as he hates it, he is a good man. The universe needs him. There, someone will always need the Doctor. So, and that's when he realises, I think, for the final time that, yes, he is a good man. He does deserve to live on. And the fact that he has lived on this much is a gift, but not to him. It's a gift to the universe that maybe the universe that he thought was so uncaring, the universe that he thought couldn't give a shit, really did care all along. It cared by keeping the Doctor alive so that he could help everyone else. And that's a character arc that is incredible. Yet Peter Capaldi gets shit on as not a good Doctor. And honestly, just there are four speeches that I always, I think, think of when I think of Peter Capaldi's Doctor. And it's, it's the where I stand is where I fall. Um, and the I am an idiot speech that I mentioned before from uh, Death in Heaven. Then you've got the his war speech, the Saigon inversion. And then you have his final regeneration speech. And there are four, four small examples of Peter Capaldi acting his fucking ass off and being a brilliant doctor. Those speeches, each and every one of them moves me. I'm like, just the power he's got behind it. Doctor Who has always been about making big speeches and standing out. And Capaldi nails it with those ones. Not to mention the episode Heaven Sent, Hell, yeah, Heaven Sent, Hell Bent's one afterwards, where he's essentially the only cast member for the entire episode. That's basically 45 minutes of just Capaldi acting. And... I mean, the fact it's one of the best episodes of Doctor Who ever, and that's not just my opinion, like, that's ratings-wise and just general consensus by people, is Heaven Sent is one of the best ones ever, where he's been stuck in his confession dial for billions of years, and it's just him acting over and over again. You can't say Capaldi's not a good Doctor. He is up there with the best. His speeches, his acting, his character arc are all fantastic. And... I feel now inclined to mention that I love Matt Smith, Eccleston, 
and Tennant as well. I think all of them are fantastic doctors. Matt Smith, be, whilst being the youngest do, uh, character character actor to ever sort of take on the role of the doctor, he showed the age better than anyone. You could see when he gave his speeches, like the ones at the Rings of Akaten, you could tell how old this character was. The age and the wisdom that Smith carried with him. Yes, he had his childlike demeanour and everything, but at the heart of it, you could tell this was like a 1,200-year-old alien. And he was brilliant. Tennant, oh my God, the regret in the, in all of his performances. You could see the childlike in him as well. But then when the regret hit him about being the last of the Time Lords, a bit like 12's regret, regret regret but different this was aimed more at the time war because this is a doctor that didn't realize that he actually saved Gallifrey yet the regret that he was the last of his kind and that he killed them all Tennant was so powerful and full of emotion you could feel the doctor's presence you could feel his rage the family of blood episodes where he punishes them at the end the fury of the time lord Jesus Christ that is so dark so powerful Tennant just commanded that role and he really made it his own. Eccleston was a very dark and gritty version. He was brilliant, but Tennant came in and brought the showmanship and I think flamboyancy back to the role. That's not knocking Eccleston at all. His hard, gritty one was brilliant. He was still very funny. But Tennant brought a flamboyancy that Capaldi and Smith definitely took from and used later on in their roles. But the show is just so iconic. Fish fingers and custard... Bowties, bowties are cool. Allons-y, Geronimo, Mr. Thick from Thickety Thick Town, Thick Town Thickania, and so's your dad. You know, they're just, <laughs> just stupid things, and oh, it's just so brilliant. The Doctor and the twelfth one, are, it's weird. The tenth one's my favourite, but I do genuinely think that if I were to be a Doctor, or which one I'm closest to personality-wise, it's twelve because. The amount of times he just calls people out for being idiots and I just relate to that. I, I can't stand people either. But he can't stand people, but he loves them and he still saves them on a regular basis. And that's what the Doctor is. He, he's just kind. He's just a mad old man or woman that, obviously I've been saying he so far, but the incarnations I've been talking about have been the male ones, so that's okay. You know, he, they're just... A, a, a guy, a gal, whatever, who, who stole a TARDIS and ran away. And that's just such a simple concept. And then when you look at it, what was he running to? This is once again from Twice Upon a Time, where you realise that the Doctor was going out there to find out what kept the balance of good in the universe. What was it that kept good winning against the dark time and time again? And then he's speaking to Bill and he's like, do I ever find out? And Bill's like, no, I don't think you ever do. And what she's hinting at is the fact that the Doctor doesn't realise that he is the hero. He is the one that keeps the balance in the universe. He travels time and space trying to find it, just helping out as he goes through, not realising that it's him just helping out that makes that big difference, that keeps the universe in balance. He's such a modest person, such a kind person, that he doesn't realise what he's doing. As the Doctor says, without hope, without witness, without reward. He doesn't do it to get thanked. He doesn't do it so people see him doing it. He doesn't do it with the hope of walking out at the other end. He does it just because it's right and because it's just the right thing to do. And that's 
Stephen Moffat said, that's a hero that we always need. Yes, it's great to have your Batman and your Superman and your Captain Americas and your Iron Man, but they do it for... Maybe Captain America does it because it's right, but Batman does it for revenge. Iron Man, let's be fair, does it for his ego at first and to make up for his own mistakes, but definitely to be seen doing it. But the Doctor, I'd say purer than all of them, doesn't do it for any recognition. He just does it because it's kind. I'd say the nearest to him is probably Captain America in that respect. But you feel like Captain America still is more okay with killing and, you know, whereas the Doctor will do it without purposely killing anyone. Daleks are an exception. And there's just something about the kindness of the Doctor that I think everyone can learn from and more people can be like. And I will... Take a short break here, why I'm mid-flow, it's always the best way to do it, to once again plug our sponsors, which are King Styles Apparel, where you can pick up a multitude of shirts from multiple different collections, including my own. We've got shirts relating to the podcast, relating to Inside Jokes, and a flat-out Same Vader logo shirt. So please do go check them out. All brilliantly designed by King's Eyes himself. I'm having some delivered here soonish. I hope when I do get them, I will be opening them on video and posting that onto YouTube. Probably with a link to that on the website. So do go check that out, guys. And I really hope you enjoy the merch. Back to Doctor Who. So yeah, it it's a hero that we all need, and I'm so glad that I grew up with Doctor Who because this is actually a quote from David Tennant himself now, because he's a massive Whovian as well. He loves his Doctor Who and did as a kid. Weirdly enough, the Doctor that he grew up watching that was his favourite Doctor, Peter Davidson, is now his father-in-law. That's mental. Anyway, so the Doctor's father-in-law is the Doctor and the Doctor's daughter is the Doctor's wife. It's really weird because his wife played his daughter in the show but is actually now his wife who is actually the daughter of another Doctor. It's really weird but brilliant. Anyway, his quote, well, not a direct quote, but I remember him saying this. Was that the reason he always gravitated to the Doctor growing up was, and I suppose this is probably why I did as well, he's a hero for nerds. And I know that sounds really stupid, and <laughs> it is. But, you know, Batman, Superman, all these superheroes, they're all really strong and buff, and they can punch their way out of any situation. The Doctor isn't that. He's, he's a nerd. He uses his mind to get his way out of things. The Doctor was, I think, the perfect hero for us that weren't big and strong, but liked to read, liked to go outside and adventure. The Doctor can be a hero for anyone, but especially, I think, it was just nice to have a hero that wasn't about brawn. He was about his brains and his wit and just his kindness, his willingness to do the right thing. And that's what's so special about the Doctor and that's why I don't like the new incarnation, right? And hear me out, it's not because she's a woman. I think a woman can play the Doctor. I don't like why they cast a woman. It's because they did it to make a statement and to push an agenda. And that I don't like. If a woman auditions and she is without a doubt the best for the role, give her the role of the Doctor. I don't mind. Missy was cast fantastically when she became a woman. With uh, Selena, um, Lisa Gomez, it's not that. Can't think of her name, but she's fantastic. Um, Missy. Um, but they made the Doctor a woman 
for the sake of making the Doctor a woman. And that I don't like. I don't like the fact that Doctor Who became and is still now really in this new era about pushing agendas and political ideals. As I said before, the Doctor was always a hero that could tackle the more realistic issues, sexism, racism. But it was in the background of a mass sci-fi adventure. Like, you didn't realise you were being taught these lessons because you were too busy watching the Doctor run away from the Daleks or face down the Cybermen. So you didn't notice that you were being given these life lessons. Yet, with the new one, you don't get that. It's it's not that anymore. It's flat out in your face. No, this is sexism. No, this is racism. And it's like, look, that's great. They're very important lessons. But you're ruining the, the show. And that might just be my opinion. Someone might enjoy that. And I might... People might stop liking me for saying that. Like, oh, you just don't like it because it's got political... No, I think those lessons are important. And I agree with them. But I'm watching a sci-fi show about an alien with two hearts with a police box that travels through space and time. Whilst I like these sort of lessons, and I think they're important, have it be the undertone to a massive sci-fi adventure. They've managed it before. It's not... Well, it probably is difficult. But they've done it for so many years where the important message was hidden in a brilliant story. Now it seems like, oh, we've got a message, let's write a story around it and have the message be the big important thing. No, the big important thing should be the Doctor giving an amazing speech and saving the day, not some political agenda idea pusher. I just don't like that. And maybe I've got old and maybe that's what it is, but maybe Doctor Who isn't for me anymore. But that can't be true because I'll go back and watch Tennant, Smith, Eccleston, Capaldi... And I'll love the episode still. I'll think, that's brilliant. That's hilarious. It's funny. It's clever. It's good. But then the new one. And don't get me wrong. Jodie Whittaker is a fantastic actress, right? I've nothing against her. I just feel like this. And so are all the companions as well in this one. I haven't spoken about any companions yet. I will do either in this episode or in the one on Saturday in the bonus episode. But the companions are all brilliant Bradley Walsh for crying out loud he's hilarious I just feel like the writing doesn't give these actors enough time or a chance to do their thing I look at the speeches that Smith Capaldi Tennant Eccleston had everybody lives the Pandorica you know just such brilliant wise words and then they got a chance to act their asses off with such brilliant writing and writers. And now I just feel like the writing is just gone stale. And then the one time I think they did try to add something new to the mythos and lore of Doctor Who is the single most angry I've ever been at Doctor Who, right? Because even when they tried the human Dalek thing and it wasn't the best idea in the world, it was trying something new and I enjoyed that. It, it added to the lore added to the Daleks, which was in an interesting way that maybe didn't work completely, but didn't ruin it either. You could go back to the Daleks being evil Nazis in space, and it, it's fine. But then you get to the season finale of, of season 12, The Timeless Child, and, and that's where, you know, they were going to change everything we know about Doctor Who. And yeah, they did, um, but not for the better. Because I think that's something they need to realise is 
changing everything we know about it isn't always for the best, right? That's in a lot of things, you know, if it's midichlorians, right? That's changing everything we knew about Star Wars and the Force. That wasn't received well, right? Let's be fair, you know, but then other changes like the control chip in Order 66, that changes everything we know because it means the clones weren't forced. No, weren't like consciously really turning on their Jedi and not all of them anyway. But that was a good way of changing everything we knew about it, right? But then, then you've got the Timeless Child, which, by the way, we're going to get into spoiler territory now as I am going to go on one of my infamous rants about the Timeless Child. So, the Timeless Child, we find out that there's this child. They might be timeless. Basically, they're from another dimension and uh, they were found by this Gallifreyan scientist and they fell off a cliff, they didn't die, and they regenerated. Basically, this is like ground zero for regeneration. This is this being is where regeneration comes from. That's you. That's a cool concept. Then you get the fact that this Time Lord scientist experimented on and basically tortured this child into keeping on regenerating, finding out what triggered it, so that she could copy the powers and give it to the Time Lords. Now, this idea on its own is fantastic, right? This is so good. Because it adds a new layer to how much of an asshole race the Time Lords are. Because we know the Doctor ran away from them because they were all up their own asses and they were horrible people. But this adds so much more of a layer to it as you realise, shit, they tortured this child to get where they did in the universe. Their hierarchy and all, oh, look, I'm better than everyone, is actually taken from the torturing of a child. That is such good. When I got to that part, I was like, oh my god, that's fantastic. That has changed everything I know, but in such a way that it's brilliant. That's It makes the Time Lords even more evil. Could even add a thing where when the Doctor finds out about this, they feel guilty about regenerate, regenerating so many times. Adding months back to again, maybe like giving the 12th Doctor some sort of regrets, the fact that he did choose to regenerate again into the 13th who is currently dealing with this. You know, that sort of thing like, oh, I chose to regenerate again. I shouldn't have. This is exploiting this child's power. You know, that's that's brilliant. And then you find out, oh, there's a secret about the Timeless Child. Oh, so much so that Gallifrey was burnt down by the Master. Who, by the way, the acting wasn't great by the Master in this. The, the new guy. I I can't remember off the top of my head how he survived. But, like, it kind of ruins Missy and her decision in The Doctor Falls to uh, join the Doctor before she her past self kills her to stop her from doing that. Basically, oh, you can't even regenerate this time. So there might have been an explanation. If there was, I can't remember it. I tried to block this episode out of my head um, <clears throat> as to why the Master's back and no longer actually wanting to be friends with the Doctor and is a bit of a psychopath again. Because I liked Missy's development, um, so I'm not quite sure what's happening there. But, you know, whatevs. We'll forget about that. Trust me, I've tried to. Um, yeah, so... Then they've also burnt Gallifrey to the ground, and I don't like that idea. You know, the whole fucking Time War, Day of the Doctor thing was saving Gallifrey, where the Doctor didn't actually destroy it, and now they've gone and destroyed it again. I'm like, well, that's that's brilliant. Nice job, Doctor. You finally got your planet back, and uh, someone's going to burn it for you. That's that's not very nice. That's that's just seemed a bit cheap as a bit of a shock and a thrill. And then, I don't know if you can tell by how monotone my voice is getting and how 
frustrated I'm going to get with this now, is then you find out who the timeless child is. Or it's someone we've met before. Oh no, is it one of his past companions? Is it one of his current companions? Her current companions, I'm really sorry. Who is the timeless child? Oh wait, no, it's the doctor. So instead of being some, you know, random hero who travels around just doing the right thing, who became special, who became a legend through their actions, the Doctor is actually a godlike creature who was ground zero for a generation. The whole thing in Time of the Doctor where the 11th thought he was going to die because he'd run out of regenerations, and Clara has to beg the Time Lords to give him another set so he can win this and beat all the enemies. Um, that plot point, that doesn't matter anymore because... The Doctor's the timeless child. He can he or she can regenerate as many times as he or she wants. Wait, no, the Doctor's not special because of all the actions and good things he or she has done throughout the universe. The Doctor's special because he was born special. She was born special. They, you know, they're a god from another dimension. They're not special because they just go around helping people and being kind. They're special because they were always meant to be. They didn't have a choice. Isn't that good character development? Every lesson the Doctor's learned in the past, all the mistakes they've made, all the good things they've done, none of that matters because the Doctor was always going to be special. Do you guys not see that? Oh, wait, no, because it's utterly ridiculous. <laughs> like, I don't get it. Changing everything you know about Doctor Who does not mean ruining the character. Like, you've basically gone, oh, look, look. Oh, the, the Doctor, everything they've done in the past, doesn't matter. You know, they can just keep fighting because they're going to regenerate countless times. It doesn't matter if they die. You know, that's fine. And, you know, it's only the Doctor. You know, he's not, they're not, yeah, they've helped loads of people, but they're always going to be special and better than the rest of the Gallifreyans and people of the universe anyway. They're not a legend because they made themselves. They're a legend because they were meant to be. That's such lazy writing. Chosen ones work in certain circumstances, but not all. And having the Doctor be a chosen one, essentially, it doesn't work for the Doctor. The Doctor is meant to be your everyday person. Don't be wrong, every day with two hearts and a genius intellect that can't be matched. But the whole point of the Doctor is that Essentially, he could inspire you because anyone can be the doctor. The lessons you're meant to learn from him or her is that, you know, if you're just kind and you try your best to help people whenever you can and, you know, you just you just do your best, never give up, never give in, never be cruel, never be cowardly. If you do that, you can be a hero too. That's what the doctor's meant to teach you. But finding out that they're the timeless child means, no, you can be a hero if you were born a demigod from another dimension with ground zero powers of not dying and that just it really grinds my gears because that's not good storytelling in certain circumstances yes Anakin being the chosen one that worked because it was a prophecy but then the prophecy didn't go the way they thought it would and you got the rest of the saga but you know through the empire and everything that's fine Having the Doctor, a character that's not meant to be special because they're special, but is special through their actions. And then tearing that away from them to make them just some some god. It negates every decision the Doctor's ever made. All the choices that they've made in the past to keep regenerating. 
to be kind, to do the right thing, they just, what, don't matter anymore? Because the Doctor isn't who the Doctor thought they were. They can just keep regenerating. As I say, it, it sort of ruins all of Matt Smith's last episode and the point of it. And basically, it's big fuck you to Stephen Moffat. But it's also a big, massive fuck you to the whole Doctor Who fandom, the Doctor as a character, and the entire legacy of the show. Don't get me wrong, continuity is not Doctor Who's best point, right? 56 years, you're going to have a few plot holes. But there's a plot hole, and then there's changing who your main character is at their core. Meaning that, oh, look, I'm not someone, I'm not just some random guy doing the right thing. I was born to be special. It's, it's like comparing the amazing Spider-Man to Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man, he gets bitten by accident with that spider and then chooses to become a hero with the words, with great power comes great responsibility, right? Andrew Garfield, you find out that the DNA put in the spiders was actually Peter's, so he was the only person that could have gained power from that, right? And I'll admit, right, it's stupid, and I heard that comparison on a YouTube video I watched on a review of The Timeless Child, right? It was um, full fat videos, I'll say that now so it doesn't look like I'm plagiarising his comparison. That was something he said, and I just wanted to use it here because it was a very good comparison of how stupid it is. It doesn't work for the Doctor. The Doctor is meant to be more than that. In a weird way, in being less than special is what makes him so special, is what makes him the hero that doesn't realise he's a hero. And hearing they're the timeless child, what does that do to the Doctor? It just makes him think, oh yeah, I am special, you know, I am all these things. That removes the charm and the innocence of the Doctor not realising that they are the good all along. Now they know they're the timeless child, they know they're special. What And what character development is this going to bring along? This changes the Doctor in so many ways, but not to a point, it changes the Doctor's past. The Doctor's future won't be any different. And if it is, there's not going to be any real character development on this plot point. Because the Doctor can't be. Like, is this going to mean the Doctor doesn't help people anymore? No, well that's not character development. If the Doctor's just going to keep doing the same thing over and over again. That's not character development. You know, the whole, am I a good man? That was character development. The whole finding out that you didn't blow up your own planet. That was character development. The whole losing Rose but realising that she's still alive somewhere and you can move on and have friends. That's character development. Things happening that then change your outlook. Ten lost Rose. Then basically rebounded with Martha. But then realised he didn't need that. He just needed a friend in Donna. Eleven, you know, lost Amy and Rory, who, by the way, are my favourite two companions and I'll probably talk about that in the uh, next bonus episode, um, sort of gave up hope because that was the last chance he had at a family and he loved them. He loved the fact he'd become part of their family. Lost them, had given up. Then Clara comes in and he finds hope again, keeps fighting, finds out he didn't blow up Gallifrey. That's even more hope. Gets to 12 and he's tired and he's old and he doesn't like the idea of being the one survivor anymore. But learns that he's got to keep fighting, he's got to keep going. The people need the doctor, he needs the doctor. And then, oh look, you're a god. How's that going to change the doctor? 
you know, he already hated, they already hated Gallifrey, so the fact they were tortured doesn't matter. The fact their past was hidden doesn't matter. Doesn't make them a bad person, still makes them this good person, so they're still going to keep saving the universe. This revelation doesn't challenge the Doctor in any way. Like finding out the Master was alive, that challenged the Doctor. Finding out the Daleks are still alive, that challenged the Doctor. This doesn't challenge the Doctor. What this does is, it's like a cheap gasp, and then it's gone, and it's stupid. The Doctor's not meant to be special for the sake of being special. They're special because they became the hero. And the fact that now there are apparently infinite number of Doctors out there somewhere, like the first Doctor we met back in 19, whatever it was, with William Hartnell, isn't the first Doctor anymore. You know, and the numbers are already a bit weird because you've got the War Doctor and then 10 regenerated twice, so 11 was actually really 13. And But that aside, now there's an infinite another number of Doctors that have just regenerated over and over again that for some reason they can't remember. And I just feel like the Timeless Child was a cheap gasp that, yeah, it did change Doctor Who forever. But in a bad way, it's, it's ruined the show, it's ruined the character. It's ruined the great sci-fi icon that the Doctor became. And it's such a shame because Jodie had so much promise. She could have been a brilliant Doctor. But the, if Moffat or Davis or any of the other writers were writing for her, she might have been okay. But I just feel like Chris Chibnall doesn't know exactly what he wants or what he's doing. And he's just trying to complete an agenda. And that has ruined the Doctor Who, essentially. Like, that sounds really harsh, but it has. And then you've got the Timeless Child, which just ruins Doctor Who even more. And, and it's painful. As someone who loves the Doctor and loves Doctor Who and always has done, it's painful to see him destroyed like that and in a way it makes me contemplate is it time for the doctor to come to an end but then i'm like no the doctor who doctor who's never going to end not in a bad way i love doctor who i don't want it to ever end and i don't ever think it will i think doctor who will carry on for a long time but it, it needs something it, it needs to find that magic again it it needs the doctor to come back not some political idealist version of the doctor it needs the doctor and that is where I think I'm going to leave this part of the Doctor Who discussion. I've ranted enough about The Timeless Child and I do genuinely love Doctor Who. So my verdict here is, of course, Doctor Who as a whole, you have not failed. Of course you haven't. I love the show. I do. And that's why I'm so passionate and so frustrated with what it's become. Because I care about it that much and I want to see it do well. I will discuss this though more on Saturday with a bonus episode. Being you have failed some more with Say Invader. And uh, I'll see you there, guys. Thanks for listening.